Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, April 5th, 2016. Today, we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 50. For context, we will read the second paragraph and then focus our sharing on the third paragraph. Today, Edith R. will read the 12 steps, Anita L., the 12 traditions, and Renata G., Martha Z., and Lisa H. will be reading the text. The reference number for Monday, April 4th, is 8627, 8627. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Edith R. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Edith R. from Tennessee, a newly recovered compulsive overeater. Praise God. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us 
and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Edith R. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought... Excuse me. Every an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction, rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L., How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 50. 
The second paragraph, beginning with, in our personal stories, will be read for context only. And the focus of our sharing will then be on the third paragraph, beginning with, on one proposition and ending with, let's look at the record. I will now ask Renata G. to begin reading. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. In our personal stories, you will find a wide variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. Whether we agree with a particular approach or conception seems to make little difference. Experience has taught us that these are matters about which, for our purpose, we need not to be worried. They are questions for each individual to settle for himself. On one proposition, however, these men and women strikingly agreed. Every one of them has gained access to and believes in a power greater than himself. This power has in each case accomplished the miraculous, the humanly impossible. As a celebrated American uh, statesman put it, let's look at the record. And... Uh, you know, I looked up the word, you know, proposition, and it means statement, right? So it says here in the text, every one of them, and that means all the recovered people, you know, that wrote that the stories are about in the back of the book. And we can even say all the recovered people here on Vision for You and everywhere, everywhere in the world, you know, like, doesn't matter... If I came in here as an atheist, an agnostic, a religious person, if I'm young or old or bulimic or anorexic, it doesn't matter. What matters is that all of them gained access to and believes in a power greater than themselves. And that really is the solution, you know, to develop a relationship with a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity. And, um, you know, when I started the, the step work, um, the, 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 the power of the steps, you know, the power of following directions, not being in control, was my higher power. Because the God I used to believe in was not helping with my food addiction and my, my life problems. I was praying and binging, so that was not working. And, you know, I, I had come to believe that the power of the steps you know, of working the steps, as the big book says, being 100% abstinent and following the exact directions, that that power would work in my life and would, you know, um, help me be recovered, just like the people I was hearing on the line. And, uh, you know, when I was um, when I was in control and I was trying to manage my, my disease, um, food was my higher power. You know, and I I went to food for everything I felt, for everything that happened in my life. And I really followed the dictates of food, not of a higher power. And some of the dictates of the food were that I had to hide, to lie, to cheat, to isolate, be selfish, you know, uh, think of myself all the time, be ashamed, uh, be uncomfortable, have suicidal thoughts. That's all that this higher power gave me, you know? And now with this new higher power, with the power of the steps, my life has changed completely. You know, uh, today, 
they're so, you know, like it says, the, um, this higher power has accomplished the humanly impossible. There's so many miracles in my life that I cannot even start to describe, and it has nothing to do with me. All I did was to do the work. I put in 10% by doing the work towards recovery, and then the steps did the, the, the heavy lifting, you know, the rest of the 90% that I needed. This transformation happened to me and not by me. And today, thank you, God, I am free. You know, like the book promises on 133, happy, joyous, and free. And it's all because of the work of the steps. Renata? Yes? We lost you there for a sec. Oh, I finished. I said, with that, I passed. I didn't know if I was going to set off before. I'm sorry. I didn't hear that part. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Renata, very much. I thought all of a sudden we lost you. Um, who would like to share on is the uh, third paragraph on page 50? Barbara B. Okay, wait one second. I've got wait, wait one sec. I've got Barbara B. And then who was the person after Barbara B? Nessa Bella. Nessa R. And then who did I hear? Bella G. Oh, Bella G. Great. Okay. Sorry to slow you down, but this works for me. Who's next, if any? Okay, great. Barbara B. Melissa Nessa C. R. Okay, Melissa C. Thanks. Sure, thank you. Okay, so we have Barbara B, Nessa R, Bella G, and Melissa C. Barbara B, go right ahead. Thank you. This is Barbara B, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. And um, I love that one short sentence, let's look at the record. I think of that often, and that's why I love to hear the stories. Um, you know, as it says, we're, you know, many of us so different from one another, but we agree on one thing, and that is that the essential, essential um, element of needing a higher power, because we've seen that life otherwise was humanly impossible. And in the stories and looking at the record, my own record and listening to others, the the looking at what was humanly impossible in uh, the activity of disease it's very, very clear. Look at the record. I never tire of looking at the way it was and listening to the way it was for other people. And then looking at the record of this miraculous transformation once I go through the process, those steps, the simple step and the transforming begins and the grace moves in. And suddenly this person that, that couldn't make it from you know breakfast to the car and this this person who couldn't professionally succeed because of my um, both the, the food activity and my character defects and my personality problems, uh, I couldn't make it in life, and, and I have a life of second to none now. And as I listen and look at the, the various um, beautiful recovered people who tell their stories, it more and more makes clear that um, what was humanly impossible is now being accomplished in coming to believe. Uh, thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara B. Nessa R? 
Hi, um, this is Nessa R, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Happy to be live on the line this morning. I just wanted to touch on the concept of um, having access to God. Um, because uh, when I first came into the room, before I was taken to the steps according to the big book, I used to think that just by being in step two, I had access to God the same way that I believe that step three, it was just about surrender and I could turn things over. Um, and I didn't really know that at those points, um, I had neither access nor the ability to surrender because I hadn't done the work. You know, um, I came in blocked from God by two things, the food and myself, my own character defects. Now, if I'm working the steps, now I understand. If I'm working the steps, which presupposes that I am abstinent, um, you know, perfectly abstinent, and therefore, therefore the food is no longer a blockage, I still have... Uh, my character defects, my self-centeredness, my selfishness, blocking me from that higher power. And in order to gain access, what I need to do is go through with the rest of the process. I don't gain access to, uh, to God um, until step 11. So in steps 1 through 9, I clean up um, the debris of my past. I, I deal with my selfishness, my self-centeredness, and remove that blockage. In step 10, I, I keep the, the, the channel clear. And then in step 11, that's my access, that's my access to God. And so that means that I got to give it my all. I got to work those steps um, as a top priority in my life, which was also something that kept me um, stuck, I would say, because I used to think like, how can I put anything, even program, ahead of my family? And the truth is that when I was uh, saying that, I wasn't really putting my, my, my family ahead of program. I wasn't really putting my children ahead of program. I was putting myself always first. I mean, I was my top priority. And that was just simply the rationalization for not giving the work um, you know, the, the, the top attention and the priority that it deserves. And then a friend of mine in program told me something that really made a lot of sense. She said, you know, when we put program first, everything becomes first rate. So not only my family life and my, um, my life within the family, my service to the family, et cetera, is going to become first class. Uh, everything is going to function so much better than when I am quote-unquote putting my family first, which is truly I'm putting myself first and not really getting getting anywhere. So I do the work and I gain access to that power. It's not in step two that I have access. It's in step two that I recognize I need the access to the power. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Bella G, you're next. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G. And I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Rebecca, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Every one of them has gained access to and believes in a power greater than himself. Wow, such a beautiful sentence. Yes, what did I gain? Before the program, you know, I didn't leave. 
I didn't leave. I really gained my life. I really can say that I, wo- I am a newborn because before program, I did believe that I, am, I have the power. Yes, I have the power for sure to control my life. Uh, I didn't understand how come I cannot control my food behavior, but this is only because if only, you know, if only, if only I would have a different family, if only I would live in a different place, if only, it's nothing to do with me. I want to lose weight. I have the power. (coughs) Sorry. But if only... I live a miserable life of blaming and judging, blaming and judging others, and then blaming and judging myself. I was all the time with fear, with anger, with jealousy, and, you know, I am not good enough. Whatever I am doing, it's not good. I was connected to my ego, and my life was a war. Thank you, God, that now that I am in the program, and I am connected to a higher power, I gain my life back. Thank you, God, that now by living the steps, I am connected to a loving, accepting power that I call him God. And now I am living. I live free. I live in freedom. And yes, you know, I don't get the freedom for free. I have to work. And I gained the, the, the belief that I am connected to an accepting power. I don't have to prove my existing anymore. Today I know, yes, I am human, I am not perfect, and still I gain my life back. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Melissa C. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater um, in New York. And uh, you know, I'm thinking about miraculous and um, gaining access to this power. And how, um, you know, it made no sense for, for me for a long time that food was blocking me from gaining access to a power. Um, and yet, that, that was exactly it, because every time I was choosing to eat, um, I was choosing the, the power of the food, the allure of the food, over the power of, um, you know, my higher power, over something much greater. And, um, you know, yesterday I found myself um, in the teacher's room where I work, and, you know, the conversation women seem to love to talk about diets and, you know, being um, being in a recovered state, um, I, I tend to keep quiet when people talk about diets. Um, it's really not, it's not my business. You know, that's the beauty of what I'm learning here, too, is that um, what's, my, what's my part and what's not my part? My part is to carry a message, not carry a food plan. And... Um, people generally want to know what it is that I eat and don't eat. And, and somehow the conversation got on me. You know, someone started really asking me specifics about my food. And 
And, um, and, you know, thank God for this higher power because I was so lovingly able to share I work a 12-step program of recovery. And, you know, and, and then I wound up getting asked about that. And, you know, before, um, before really working my program, I would have decided, based on how these women look, that they didn't need to hear anything I had to say. They're thin. You know, I made judgments about people. And, um, you know, this miracle of this program is that that's not my place to make judgments on anybody. You know, I'm living in a recovered state. And so for me to gain access, to continue access to my higher power, I have to always do the work of the program. And so, you know, I did share, and I... And interestingly enough, um, I saw someone's eyes, you know, light up in a way that tells me um, I said exactly what I was supposed to say. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph on one proposition? Reva P. Hi, Reva P. Linda R. Okay, I heard Linda R., but there was someone before Linda R. Terry P. Terry, T-E-R-R-I. C-A-R-R-I-E. C-A-R-R-I-E, P. Got it, Carrie P. And then Linda R. Was there anyone else? Okay, Reva P. Go right ahead. Reva P. Yes. Good morning. This is Reva P. Um, Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. I love the fact that this book and the people in this program don't say that I have to do anything. Um, All they're telling me is based on their experience and who are these men and women. These are men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And what they're telling me is that um, the way they were doing it, which is the same way that I thought, the same way that I behaved, the same way that I felt, um, that didn't work. And I know from my experience, it didn't work for me. So let's look at the record. You know, how was that working for me? I was getting worse and worse and worse. And it's almost like a promise because step two is just the willingness to believe that Reva cannot run the show. That when I am in control of my food and my life, it gets worse and worse and I make a mess. And that there's a power out there, whatever I choose to call it, that can do a better job. That's all that step two is asking me to do. So I love that. Um, And I love the fact that it's promising that I will um, accomplish the miraculous with this power. And I was once um, told that miraculous is not the same as magic. We have miracles in this program, but it's not magic. It's not like I do step two and say, God, please, and then everything, you know, is magically transformed. Uh, Miraculous means there's work involved. 
um, and that I need to do the work. And as was stated earlier, I need to do the work of the steps, especially 4 to 9 and then 10 to 12 on a daily basis. Um, And then, you know, when I've done the work and I have access to this power, um, my life is transformed. Um, And I also wanted to say, you know, yesterday I had a session with a client. um, Didn't go very well. There's issues with my mother. And I immediately wanted to react um, and just get in there and fix it all. And I know it doesn't work. So every day I need to, you know, give over my stuff, my defects that get in the way um, so that a power um, who I access can do for me what I can't do for myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Carrie P., you're next. Good morning, everyone. This is Carrie P., a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. That's the first time I've announced myself like that. I really needed to say that. And for me, I just want to say that, you know, the power greater than myself, you know, through doing this work, I cannot believe the clarity I have in my life. I'm not uh, an emotional roller coaster. And the women I'm working with, you know, I had one ask me yesterday about how how does one expand their spiritual life. And I explained that through these steps, you know, we're expanding our spiritual life. And I'm ex- I continue to expand my spiritual life working step 12 with you. And we're not done after we're done with step 12. You know, it's a continued process. And I just got to say that the women I work with, bring me home to me and and point out things that, you know, I didn't even realize about myself. I I am so grateful for this program. And, you know, my higher power um, is doing for me what I cannot do for myself. If I had more time, I would go on and on and on. But um, we're not going to do that. So, if I'm going to look at the record, I have I have never been so stable and so comfortable in my own skin as I sit here today. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie P. Linda R., you're next. Good morning. Linda R., recovered in South Florida, and thank you, Rebecca, for your service. Basically... What was said was what I was going to say about having to really tap into the power. I know I'm powerless, but once I work through my steps and I get to 11, God gives me back the power to make the right choices in my day. And I heard this last week on the vision where someone said that I do live one day at a time. However, my program is my lifelong commitment. So when I, my food is down, thank God. And in the past, like, I used to, you know, pray every day for my abstinence. But today, I just know. It's like that knowing and awareness that my higher power really has my back. And he wants me to stay abstinent so that I can be of maximum service to myself and to others and to God. So that's the other thing I wanted to say. And the other thing I just want to add is that sometimes for, other, for me in my life, 
the answers do not come immediately. And yesterday I was talking, I was a little upset in the morning and I was doing a 10 step and I'm talking and talking and talking. And again, my higher power reminded me, wake, why am I talking? So I paused and I stopped. And for the rest of the day, there was a lot of quiet time. Because for me, a lot of times I want immediate solutions and the power does not flow right away. So today I just want to share that, yes, God does give me the awareness and the power when I take action. However, it's not going to be in my time. And this program takes a lifetime. You know, it is one day at a time reprieve. However, for me, it's my lifelong commitment. So I'm in it for the long run. Thank you. Thank you, Linda R. Um, why don't we move on to the next paragraph? I will now ask Martha Z. Hello. To read the next this paragraph. This is Raquel. Oh, hi, Raquel. Hi, 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 my family. I like I like this expression. My family there. I have just become as of today homeless because above me they are renovating an apartment and the noise is so incredible that I have to go to the library and I'm sitting in the hall and listening to you people and I'm so, so grateful that we are together and online. They promised me that at 2 o'clock they're going to stop, but they didn't, so here I am. Um, I, I am so grateful for this paragraph and what is supporting it for me is, um, and thank goodness for Alcoholics Anonymous, it's um, um, the, their little booklet, uh, 24 hours a day, helps me so much with this paragraph that it says, and I, I, it's already part of me that all alcoholics, me included, have personality problems and that we drank to escape life. I drank to escape life or to somehow get over some problem inside, some conflict inside. And those are the conflicts that didn't let me adjust to life and live, you know, a, a, an adjusted life in the world. And that, that I cannot, cannot stop those problems inside by just stopping to drink. Abstinence, 30 years of, in the rooms, not in and out. I never left. Not when I came, not when I moved from from uh, Connecticut to to um, to Massachusetts or from Massachusetts back to Israel. I never left program. I never understood that this abstinence business is only a foot in the door, so that I need to do the spiritual work, and until until I can somehow live a, a, a better life in the day to day interaction with family and with people. And the expression that is here is that God will irradiate with his, the warmth of his spiritual, God irradiates your life with the warmth of his spirit. He's doing it to me. You know, I, I don't have any resentment there. Renovating above me, it's, it's awful noise. And I find solutions and I don't have to get, to get a, a, a you know, out of whack just because this is happening in my life. So I do my work outside part of the day and it's not the end of the world. 
a thing like this just two years ago really, really upset me so much and I didn't know what's happening to me. And now, just two years later, with being daily with my people there, you, all of you, family, I see that I react completely differently. I don't know how to call it the big words of spiritual awakening, but I can tell you that if the one thing in common uh, for all those spiritual awakenings is that you can, you can think, feel, and do things that you couldn't before, well, then God is doing his job. Just I ask his help to not hold the stopwatch on his work and tell him, oh, no, when, when, when am I going to be a complete person? It's happening, and I'm so grateful. And thank you for being there, all of you, and my best. Thank you, Raquel. Hi, Mary. Yeah, I guess I jumped the gun. <laughs> Who is that? This is Vivian M in Vermont. Vivian M, is it? Yes. Okay, Vivian M, before you proceed, did anyone else want to share on the second, uh, a third paragraph on page 50 before we move on? Okay, Vivian M., and then we'll move on. Go ahead, Vivian. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Good morning. Um, yeah, this this paragraph is just so just striked me actually, I, and I strikingly agree with it because I, I, you know, life happens. You know, there's an expression that says keep coming back. Well, life kept coming back to me the past few weeks. Uh, repeatedly over and over again with the same message of, of things that were very difficult for me to look at and to handle and to and to live in peace and serenity with. But uh, I know before I worked the steps with the sponsor and before I went through this process and continue to do so through steps 10, 11, and 12 and, and with my higher power and with the fellowship, there was no way in the world that I would not have been face down in the food doing everything my way being stock raving mad and just crazy because that's what I was. That's how I lived my life, and I never knew why. And uh, but I can look at the record today, and I and I took action. I did what I needed to do. I made phone calls. I did ten steps. I said, "This is what God must want in my life because He's in charge, and I'm not." And this is what's happening. And I have a choice today. I can live in the fear, and it was very fearful for me. Uh, and I can live in the indecision, and I can live in the worry, and all of those other feelings. Or, I and and what I really wanted to do was get over it quickly. I said, "Okay, I have my power. I have my means. I have my steps. I I I can pray, and I can say, please take this away, take these feelings away." And they weren't going away because I needed to go through a process with it. I needed to feel what I was feeling. I needed to feel the grief. I needed to feel what was happening. But I didn't need to live in it. I didn't need to plant my feet in it. I could have it, go through it, and and take care of myself. I did take care of myself. And because I did that, I was able to move on with my life Without eating, I had food thoughts yesterday. I had big-time food thoughts, and I did not act on that because instead I was praying for what God would want me to do, and what God wanted me to do was different actions, pick up the phone, make outreach calls, do service for others, things that I, quite frankly, at the moment did not want to do, but as I was doing it and was in the moment with it and, and reaching out and doing the service and doing what God's will was for me, 
my I, my my defects were lifted. My fear was lifted. I still feel some fear, but I don't have to live in it. I'm getting up today. I'm doing my day. I'm on the meetings. The sun is shining. I can appreciate God's world today, and I never had appreciation for that because I was so busy looking at the misery and poor me. And so I'm so grateful, and the record for me is that it's changed, and even when life keeps coming back, which it does because it's life on life's terms. It's not on my terms anymore. Uh, I can do uh, what I was taught to do and what God teaches me to do and what he asks of me. And they're very simple, they're very, very simple instructions. I thought they weren't at first because I was overwhelmed. I thought, I can't do this. But you know what? I'm... God puts it in place for me, and I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Vivian M. Okay, I will now ask Martha Z to read the next paragraph, which goes from the bottom of page 50 to the top of page 51, beginning with here are thousands of men and women and ending with why one should have faith. Good morning, Rebecca. Can you hear me? I can. Hi, Martha. Hi. Thank you for your loving service. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from near Philadelphia. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power, and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, they show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. They show how the change came over them. When many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives. They present a powerful reason why one should have faith. Good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, So in the beginning, it says, it kind of gives a requirement, since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves and to take a certain attitude toward that power. And I thought, what attitude, what are they talking about? And my first thought was that we'd be really open-minded to whatever that power could be for us. But my second thought was surrender, to just say, you know what, I'm completely powerless. This food has me beat. I, you know, I'm willing, I'm willing to believe because my way isn't working and what do I have to lose? And then it says, and to do certain simple things. There's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. And then it talks about, you know, the face of collapse and disaster, of despair and failure of human resources. And then, you know, but that a a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them after they met a few simple requirements. And they're they're talking about the steps, the requirements. And um, then it says, well, for us, leaving aside the food question, so, so that we're we're admitting that, yes, I'm admitting yes, I had problems with food, but really my life there was there was something that was not going right with my life. But then my the best part in this whole 
I think one of the best parts in the whole chapter is when they talk about how the consciousness of the presence of God is the most important fact of their lives. Um, yeah, I mean, I can honestly say that today. That certainly wasn't the most important fact of my life earlier. And I um, I, I just wanted to, to back up a second. I know I've been doing this, but um, the, the paragraph before was talking about the miraculous. And I, I was thinking about what a message of hope this whole thing was and that that um, to me a miracle is a change in perception and when people were sharing about that paragraph yesterday I was thinking about the food and what a miracle I mean the fact that the obsession has been lifted I do not use food to manage my life and by the grace of God it doesn't come in as an option and that I've actually been living in the 10 step promises and that um that I don't, I don't even want that food, and that that is that is not something I did. That is something that just happened to me. But what I was really thinking was, the miraculous that's been accomplished has been the change in relationships, in you know, two specific relationships that that have been the hardest in my life, the most challenging, that have totally turned around. I I cannot believe it, but it it, it came out of my willingness to do the work, um, but also my willingness to look at my part and not to be a total victim. And that, I I can't believe it. If it didn't happen to me, I'm not sure I would have believed it, but it did. And, and um, I am so, so grateful for this program and for all of you. Thanks for being there and for letting me share. Thank you, Martha Z. Hi, Charles A. Hi, K-A-G Carol. From Boston. This is Larry. Rachel W. I've got Charles H. I've got Katie G. I've got Larry H. Is it? I'm, I don't remember. And that's all I wrote down. Who was after Larry? Katie S. in Pittsburgh. Katie S. S. Okay. Sam. S. Thank you. And who was after Katie S? Uh, at this time, with Paula D. Paula D. Lynn S. Lynn S. Jane S. Was that Jane S? Yes. Yes. Okay. And I just found out Larry's last initial is K. Thank you. Anyone after Jane S? You know what? We won't have time. I'm afraid we probably won't even have time for this whole list. So uh, let's get busy with Charles H. Rebecca, thanks for your service, Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater just for today. And I'm one of them guys I come hard and fast, man. I'm going to leave some time on the clock because I think anything after three minutes is lip service. But, um... I want to rewind back to um, the day the day before. You know what? Yeah, the day before I put down, you know, um, all my alcoholic substances. I had faith. I had faith in Mr. Sugar. I had faith in Mr. Burger King, Mr. McDonald's, Mr. Chinese food, Mr. Wok, Mr. Pizzeria, and all that stuff, right? Um, and, and, and somewhere in we agnostics, I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. Um, Thumpers, right? But um, 
there is there it says something along the lines of imagine life without faith and i'm not coming from uh, i'm coming from a spiritual standpoint so you take it for what you want to take it for um you know i remember being you know every time i offer to put my name out to p- take people through the doctor's opinion and i have faith right that i don't know about if they're going to get it but i know i'm going to get reinforced by faith right because imagine life without faith Imagine life without faith. It, it would just it just wouldn't be faith. It just wouldn't be life, right? I believe, right? And you know, belief, hope, and faith are are, are major ingredients in this recovery process. You know, you know, I I'm, I'm scared to death. I'm starting this new face to face meeting, but you know, I put it out there. And so many people are are gonna come help me from a humble instead. I got faith, right? That these people in this this part of town where I live at, um, they some of them might get it, some of them might not want it, but that's all right. The main thing is I'm going to get it right, and 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 you know, in winding down that chap, that that first page in the doctor's opinion, um, somebody showed me the last word hopeless to the one that says recovered. I draw a line from hopeless to recovered, and Bill W. three times right went for treatment. And that is the basis of recovery. So by faith, I believe, I don't care how much time, you fell down 700 times, you can get up on that 701st time, and you can get this program one day at a time. Pass. Thank you, Charles H. Katie G., you're next. Hi, Rebecca. Can you hear me? Yes. Awesome. KG, Recovered Anorexic Bulimic Compulsive Overeater, <clears throat> just for today. Um, anyone who knows me knows that heavy going of life is one of my favorite um, lines in We Agnostics, although I can never find it in the book. Um, the reason it's one of my favorite lines is because laying aside the food problem, guys, laying aside the food problem. I spent so many years thinking food and my body weight and exercise and those three numbers on the scale were the problem, right? But they weren't the problem. They were the solution that I kept applying to my problem, and I kept falling over and over and over again. And for me, the consciousness of today, of God, means getting in the moment today and having a primary purpose, doing the steps, being entirely abstinent, and doing the steps every single day which means that I have a primary purpose today, which isn't about getting you to do what I want and give me what I want so I can be happy, right? My favorite AA guy says, if getting what I want makes me happy, he reminded me that the Cabbage Patch doll that my dad bought me when I was eight years old would still be making me happy. Guys, I don't even know where that Cabbage Patch doll is. Let's be real. When I get what I think I want, I'm on to the newest, next, next, best, and sexiest thing. And for me, the steps means a constant attitude adjustment of a shift away from Katie, away from heavy going of life. I can go back there at any time. I can pick up, oh, woe is me. My life is so hard. I have to be uncomfortable today. I'm not getting what I want. My boss isn't giving me enough hours at my work. My, my sister-in-law is texting me. My mother-in-law is saying she's wearing black to my wedding. And my mother and my mother wants to wear white. Life is so hard, you know. And and it's the poor Katie Gia, you know, story. But the fact is, today there's no God in that, and I have a primary purpose. I stay abstinent, and I remember, oh hey, maybe my life 
it's not about getting what I want today. Maybe it's aligning my life with God's and saying, okay, God, for some reason you rescued me from the pit of compulsive overeating, exercise addiction, alcoholism, debting. I've done it. For some reason you've given me life today. So how can I fit myself to be of maximum service to others? So that when other people are not doing what I want, I don't respond. I practice restraint of tongue and pen. You know, this is what having an attitude adjustment, a shift, an entire life change means for me today. It means showing up and not doing things because I want things in my life. It means, oh my gosh, I get to be alive today. I get to work this program. I get to be connected with God with the help and support and love of all of you. I'm doing it with you guys in Boston, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Larry K., you may be our last person to share after all. Go ahead, Larry. It sounds so sad. Well, I feel bad yeah, for the others whose names I wrote right. down. That's okay. There's, there's tomorrow. Um, yeah, Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, I, I, the disease convinced me the disease was my greatest persuader, right? Um, but I'll tell you what supported me when I when I um, when I came into the rooms and here were you know here were were a good number of men and women who had flatly declared that since they had come to believe in a power greater than themselves, that you know that they they began to take a certain you know attitude toward that power and do certain simple things that created this revolutionary change. And that supported me. The disease convinced me to pick up this spiritual toolkit. But seeing you guys, boy, that really, really supported me in that. And, you know, the thing, the thing that I would say is that, you know, it, it does say here, this, this happened, though, soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. And for us, that's the steps. You know, and with this, um, awareness without action is insufficient for change. Awareness without action is insufficient for change. We need to take action. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Larry, that was kind of fast. Katie S. There you go. Thank you. Katie S., if you're available, you can share. Hi, it's Katie S. I'll try and be really quick. Um, Katie S. recovered in Pittsburgh. So I just wanted to point out it's the the proof, you know, that I need in my life and that was laid out from other people whenever I'm talking to other addicts and they understand how getting through the day once was, okay, like, I just am going to watch TV and eat food and drink and smoke just to get through the next moment because life is so painful, sober, Two, working the steps, you know, being clean and abstinent and being excited about helping other people. That's a dramatic difference in a personality. So it's just talking about that contrast of what life can be like when that soul hole is filled in with God and those other things are no longer needed. It's a move towards life that... That's the only explanation. The soul holes filled in, and life is different. So with that, I pass. 
Thank you, Katie S. Uh, for those of you who did not have a chance to share, perhaps you can stay on for the next hour or share tomorrow. I apologize for running out of time. So um, thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lisa H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Thank you. Good morning. This is Lisa H., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Tennessee. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose, disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.